Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. I want to welcome Jackie Porter to our podcast today. She's an award-winning financial planner and for the past 18 years has served thousands of families, established businesses, and professionals in the greater Toronto area. She is the co-author of the book, Single by Choice or Chance, The Smart Women's Guide to Living Longer Better. And she's somebody that I met a couple months ago and we just hit it off. So I said, I want to make sure that my listeners at Breaking Money Silence are able to benefit from Jackie's expertise. So welcome to uh, the podcast today. Well, thank you. This is really exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited. And, and you know, the myth that we're going to be talking about is certainly one that I know uh, a lot of people can identify with or are concerned with. So why don't you, um, Jackie, say a little bit about the myth you picked and sure. uh, what motivated you to try to bust that myth wide open? So my myth is, you know, can single women, you know, financially look after themselves? And I, I think that's something that as a, as a country, as an industry, as a financial planner, that we're really tackling really because there, you know, more women are becoming single by, by chance through divorce or widowhood and, and truly, uh, my goal as a financial planner is really to help women dispel this myth that no, they don't have to go the way of a bag lady. Because <laughs> even very, even very successful women worry about being a bag lady, and really, the way that that can be prevented is to be proactive about their their finances and learn more about their finances. So, I, I really want to encourage women to to really take charge of their their finances, take charge of their life, and and. And that's how we go about dispelling the myth that women can't be financially successful as a single person is, is for women to take control. Do you think this comes from, you know, the history of uh, marriage and the fact that, you know, this is a long time ago, but I guess not too long ago, not, not where women long. had to uh, get married in order to be financially secure? And while that's no longer the case with 44 percent of uh, women in America being the primary breadwinners of their home, it's certainly, I think, uh, a stereotype that's kind of woven into the fabric of our society. Do, do you think that impacts how this myth comes to light or do you have another theory about that? Yeah, I, I think I think that's a part of it. I think that for a long time, women were um, encouraged to look to others, to um, to their partner, to their spouse, to look after things like the finances. Um, you know, definitely it's great because what's really exciting is now, th- you know, 30% of North America's wealth is being controlled by women, and that's growing 8% each year, and that's wonderful. But the truth is um, the stereotypes are still out there where women don't necessarily feel like Truly, Kathleen, 45% of women still report 
not feeling confident about making financial decisions. And a part of it comes from they don't, we don't learn any, we don't learn about money anywhere. Like we don't learn about money in school. We don't, you know, there's no, there's no real way to learn about money unless you come by, you know, maybe a family member who might mentor you or you, you know, are in a job like mine where you get to learn about money. It's really by chance as well what you what you learn. So I, I end up a part of it is uh, not necessarily um, have getting any. Sorry, the society thinking that society encouraging women to to really look for someone to look after them, and for many years women were encouraged to go to university to become not necessarily. Um, getting an education, but becoming, getting their MRS degree, right? Right. <laughs> really yep. unfortunate. But the other part of it is they just don't feel confident because there's no real place. Women don't necessarily feel like there's any real place for them to get this type of information. And, and truly, as I find that my clients tell me, if, if they don't feel confident about something, I mean, it's very common. You either leave it to someone else to make the decision or you avoid it altogether. And so the myth, single women can't be financially successful, truly a myth, because certainly I know lots of people who are single uh, by choice, uh, single maybe uh, by chance through a divorce or illness or something, but who have done quite well after that transition. Um, So if that is not true, uh, what would you say the fact is? is? You know, what is the money fact as opposed to the money myth? Okay, so the the money fact is that Truly, what you're describing, the women who I find are financially successful are taking their finances into their own hands. They're, they're finding people they can work with. They're getting information about finances. If they don't feel confident, they're getting referrals to people who can help them, financial planners, financial advisors. They're really um, investing in their own knowledge and, and really uh, wanting to become much more confident in that area. So they're, they're doing everything they can to become confident in that area. They, they often want to sit down with someone and, like myself and, and do a financial plan, figure out what they need to live. Um, they're, they're really intentional about what they want to do with their money. Whereas if your expectation as a woman is that someone else will look after it or you just avoid it altogether, those are the women who tend to end up uh, in financial peril when they end up becoming single by chance. Is this a gender phenomenon? Does this happen to more women than men? Because I could see it happening to men as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, they, it, it, it is a gender phenomenon, uh, simply because if you look at the numbers, they don't play out any better as time goes on. So if you consider that over 60%, over 65, um, there's, women are much more likely than men. In fact, um, they say anywhere from 44 to 47% of women over 65 need guaranteed income supplements. I'm not sure what you guys call it in the U.S., but they need this um, income for people who are below the poverty line. To this. So the government kicks in additional funds just to help them pay for their retirement. So they're living below the poverty line, relying on this what we call guaranteed income supplement, GIS, to just pay for their their regular uh, lifestyle versus for for men, um, there's a lower percentage of men relying on guaranteed income supplements versus versus women. So women are unfortunately retiring into poverty way more often than men. 
Wow. And so that's very similar in the United States in terms of the stats of women, uh, especially uh, more mature women uh, living in poverty. And so, you know... Yeah, it's only 37% of men relying on GIS in in retirement versus, like, as I said, 47%, up to 47% of women. So there's a real gender gap. We live longer. Keep in mind, as women, we live longer. Um, We tend to take time off to raise children, care for our parents. Um, And I don't know if, I, I believe that the, the, the facts bear out the same in the U.S., but as a result of that, even when we have an opportunity to um, take part in a retirement benefit plan through our workplace, we might lose our eligibility because we, you know, we're, we're doing this type of part-time, um, not necessarily full-time work, uh, and so we're not always um, lasting long enough in the position to actually to benefit from these plans. So in addition to becoming educated about money, what can somebody who is a single woman listening do um, to help empower themselves around their finances and make sure that they don't become a bag lady, which, by the way, means you're living on the street out of your bag, in case (laughs) people don't know. Not everybody knows that reference. The Uh, bag lady syndrome. Yeah, we might be dating ourselves here, Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think the first thing is to take stock of your financial knowledge um, and, and figure out what you're doing well and and what you're you're not doing well and what you need help, what areas of your finances you need help in. Uh, I find that women tend to be savers rather than investors, which means money might languish in a savings account because they don't know what investment decisions to make. So money will sit in a savings account versus being invested um, so that it, it can, the capital can grow and there'll be more of a nest egg for them in retirement. So if you're not sure, um, you know, what kind of investment decisions you should be making, get a referral to a good professional to help you because, again, we live longer. So the, the fact is we're going to need more of a nest egg than men. And if we're single women, um, you know, the, the stats are also bearing out that um, whereas a couple might only need, um, you know, maybe forty to 50000 a year to live on depending on where, you know, they live in their lifestyle, um, a single woman might need somewhere like sorry forty to seventy thousand to live on. A single woman might need something more like thirty to fifty thousand. So we, we we have to actually put that much more away for retirement. Uh, typically, we need to put away seventy percent of our our pre retirement income to live on in retirement, particularly if we don't have access to you know pension and benefit plans. So one of the things we need to do is we need to we need to put more money away. We need to save more. We also need to consider living below our means. People tend to live at their means or above their means. Um, it's really looking at where we're putting our money and deciding if that's where we want it to go, and really being intentional about putting money away for retirement. And and you know what I I, I think as women. We recognize that it's not all about just getting really high returns in the market, but we really want to build, work with a financial planner to build a very conservative plan that no matter what happens, we can still retire. That means looking at, you know, reasonable rates of returns. And if you've been around as long as I have, Kathleen, you know that uh, rates of returns have gone down over the last 10 years in the markets in terms of what investors should expect. So using a, a financial plan that offers a rate of return of 4 5 or 6% and, you know, running those numbers out to see how long your money will last. So how much do you need to put away for retirement to, you know, last t- until age 100? Because the 
biggest demographic they're seeing in is like is basically the centenarian people living over a hundred, and guess who those women are? <laughs> those those people are they're women, right? They're, right. They're living. We're, we tend to be the the ones left behind and and being the centenarians. So we have to put away that that much more. So building a plan that has put together reasonable numbers in terms of what you can expect to earn in over the years that you're saving, and also building a plan that that basically makes sure you're putting enough away. Like how much should you be saving from what you're you're earning towards retirement so that so that you can actually, you know, make it there no matter what happens in the market. I, you know, all of this is great financial advice. So there's a couple of reactions that I have. One is sure. I just feel the urge to share that on both sides of my family, I had uh, a great aunt who lived to 106 and my Nana Mo, which is a she was my grandmother, lived to 103. So uh, oh my goodness. there is longevity in my family. So I am listening very carefully as to what you're saying. Uh, second of all, there is an emotional component. So as you're saying these things, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a listener and I say, oh, you know, I know this, Jackie, but for some reason, you know, I don't proactively learn more or finance is kind of boring or, you right. know, what are the ways in which, you know, you and maybe um, your colleagues make this process interesting or gratifying? Because I, I feel like often women know what to do, but they have trouble, not all of them, but some of them have trouble kind of following through and doing it. So how do you address the emotional side of this issue? I, I think that's a really amazing question. I think you you have to motivate people for the things that they really care about. So, you know, I sit down, first of all, working with a, a planner, I think women really have the responsibility of holding the, their advisor or even if they're the caregiver in the family, so say they, they're not the breadwinner in the, in the household, is demanding to learn more about finance because the person who is there may not be there. So if it's your spouse, if they're not in the picture and they're making decisions, how's that going to affect you later on? We already know the women who are single by chance are much more likely to end up in poverty because they didn't plan to be single versus the women who are intentional about their future. So the, the first thing is really it, basically advocate for yourself in a scenario where you're, where you're working with a financial planner or also for the, if you're not the breadwinner in the family, advocate for yourself. Ask to be educated. Ask people who you're working with to break down things in ways that you can understand. So if your financial planner is speaking in financial speak and you're not understanding what they're saying, um, it's their responsibility to get basically break things down so you understand what's happening with your money because ultimately it's your money and it's your future. So really expect to hold the person you're working with accountable for really bringing you into the conversation and making sure you know what's going on with your future. Now, you mentioned a lot of things that have to do with planning and investing and mm -hmm. saving and expenses. I'm wondering, does the um, gender wage gap fit in here? In other words, women uh, advocating for a fair wage, is that part uh, of the solution? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, women, women definitely um, are, unfortunately, we, we still are not um, at gender parity. And that's another reason why we're not able to save as much for, for retirement as men. Um, you know, again, we, we, we're not earning enough. We, we, don't, we live longer. And unfortunately, we're not participating in pension plans as much as we should. And, and so you're 100% right to say, you know, I know a number of different um, 
a number of different organizations are, are trying to address some of these issues for women in terms of what the government should be doing, in terms of giving women automatic opportunities to invest in pension plans and what have you. We're not there yet, um, but definitely um, we, we definitely have to keep pushing for gender parity. It's, it's actually crucial um, because of the, the fact that as women, you know, we suffer more especially over the long run, over our lifetime, because of this gap, because of this wage gap. Yeah. But, I, but going back to your, to your question, I think as women, we, we definitely, an advisor working with us needs to find out what motivates us. Women often care more about non-financial issues than, than, uh, than men. So we want to have somebody who helps us show us how to pay off our debt. We're really worried about debt, and we want to figure out how to pay off our debt. So really, when you're working with your advisor, you want to build a plan that that helps you, uh, motivate you into the things you care about. So tell them what motivates you. Tell them what you care about, what financial issues you care about. Women tend to care about, as you said, the emotional issues. If they're a single person, you know, where they're going to live, um, when they're going, when they retire, what they're, you know, where, what's that going to look like? How are they going to transition to retirement? They also care about legacy. We don't, as planners, talk a lot to single women about legacy, but that's a really important piece because 40, 47% of Canadians uh, don't actually have a will. And for single women, it's even lower. So it's a question of, you know, how do we want to be remembered by our loved ones, you know, maybe charities that we used to support, our communities. Um, and it's, it's really, as advisors, the onus is on us to help create meaning for someone who's a single person that addresses the things they really care about. Interesting. You know, I think about it being um, a professional who is an aunt. I happen to be married, so I'm not single. Me too. Um, but <laughs> I'm an aunt as well. That's so funny. Yeah. So it's really, you know, it's important for me to leave um, a legacy for those behind me, even though they aren't my children. Um, they're my niece and nephews, and that's really, really important. And so, you know, you're highlighting a lot of things that women can do. It also sounds like uh, part of the solution is having uh, female-friendly financial planners like yourself. And in my opinion, one of the things we need to do as an industry or as a society is really think about how to make learning about finance more fun. And so I know you have an event that you do annually that sounds like a lot of fun. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's really a creative way of teaching people more about money. It's absolutely. And I, I, I think first finance, when, when you're talking to someone uh, in finance that you don't feel, and I, I think as women, we tend to think, oh, they must know more than us and they know better. You really have to be working with people you feel comfortable with. So do a gut check. Definitely ask for references. Get them to you know, show you how they've helped other people. But definitely do that gut check that if it's not someone you feel you can have that real conversation with about you know, your legacy, the things you really, really care about that will motivate you to stick to a plan, walk through the door, maybe run, <laughs> but do whatever you need to. From, from a standpoint of making financial, financial literacy fun and, and making the financial planning fun, I, I really enjoy that because I really enjoy the conversations I have with my clients about money. So one of the conversations I had with my clients about money was we both, one of my clients and I, a female client of mine, both love theater, and we were seeing, going to see theater events just on our own, and you know, she actually was one of the people who helped me 
to decide this was something I wanted to do. She said, you know, we both love theatre. You love doing these kinds of events. Um, you mentioned to me that your mom introduced you to theatre. Why, why don't you use this as a vehicle to attract clients to you who might, might actually have an interest in theatre or want to learn about theatre? So that's kind of how Food for Thought was created, is I take a bunch of clients to a place called Stratford, Ontario, where they, they have uh, uh, annual theatre events happening, and then we go see a premium show, at, and we get premium seats to see the show, and, and one of the a few companies, a few sponsors I have who help me sponsor it, get premium seats for a really good discount, and then we have at dinner, we have dinner as well, so you can see a show and uh, go to dinner for $55 per person, which is just unheard of. And, and that's and fifty five Canadian, right? Canadian, yeah, even, gotcha. even better, even better, it's even a better exchange <laughs> rate for the for you for your U.S. listeners. So we see a show, and then we we go to dinner, and then the one of the sponsors of the event, which is a financial company, will talk about a financial issue at dinner. And so you know, the event's called Food for Thought because the idea is to inspire conversations around money at dinner also in, increase our, our uh, attendees' financial literacy so they can walk away with not just um, a, a great show, seeing a good show, but also learn something that they might not have learned about money before. And, and really, that's, my, that's really my idea is to just improve people's financial knowledge, but also just have fun. Awesome. Short. <laughs> yes. And in my book, Breaking Money Silence, one of the things I talk about is when you, each time you have a financial conversation to pair that with some sort of reward or some sort of um, thing that makes you feel good. So certainly having that conversation, then getting to see a really great theater uh, performance sounds like a wonderful pairing, in my opinion. So uh, hats off oh, to you for, you for running a really cool event. Yeah, this is our 12th year running, so we're really, really excited uh, to host it. We're going to have it on September the 28th um, in Stratford, and, you know, it's it's always a popular event. It's sold out. We just started to advertise it in March, and it sold out in May. <laughs> so we were really excited that people are still responding really positively to it. Excellent. Well, I think we need uh, more women like you breaking money silence, teaching people how to have fun and learn about finance. And time goes so quickly, Jackie, that we're out of time today for this podcast. But I want to make sure that people can find you, um, whether you're listening in the United States or whether you're listening in Canada. You know, Jackie, where can they find out more about you and your resources and your work? Wonderful. Well, please um, direct them to my new website. I actually, we, we've just loaded a bunch of material on there on financial literacy that your listeners might find useful, like how, what's the difference between an RRSP and a TFSA, what to look for when working with a financial planner, what is a financial planner versus what's a financial advisor. There's so much confusion in this industry as to what people do. We think we, think we know what, uh, we think we, we're educating people on, on being you know, what, what financial literacy is, but we don't do a good job of actually just explaining basic things to clients. So that's the whole idea of the website is to have resources on there for women who are going through a divorce. What do they need to know? Um, you know, as I said, information about financial literacy, understanding how uh, advisors work. Feel free to check out the website. I'd love to get feedback from your listeners on it. It's www.askjackie, A-S-K-J-A-C-K-I-E dot C-A. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks for breaking money silence with me. You have a great rest of your day. You too, Kathleen. This was really fun. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. 
a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.